Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Hi everybody and welcome along. IMSA Radio, part of the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels. All live, all free, no subscription and around the world with no interruptions. Great to have your company. It is the Euro FCP North East Grand Prix this weekend. Lime Rock Park, the one and a half, just under one and a half miles of the challenge. Seven corners and it's the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship coming up next just gts gtd pros and gtds to talk about next with share adam jeremy shaw and me john hindorf and it's all live here on imsa radio the WeatherTech sports car championship on imsa radio well, hello, everybody, wherever you are in the world. Coming to the end of the working week. Uh, if you're over in Europe, it's what quarter to, just before quarter to six in the evening, quarter to five, 20 minutes before five uh, in the UK. I can hear car engines uh, firing up as we're getting the machines coming around uh, to the pit lane here at uh, Lime Rock Park, which is where Shea Adam is at the pit lane at the moment. Good morning, Shay. How are you? And we'll try that again a bit later on. Uh, Shea Adam not able to talk to us at the moment. Jeremy Shaw is with me, John Hindoff, in the Global Broadcast Centre and a pretty solid field, Jeremy, uh, in terms of... Uh, of our entrance here for for this weekend uh, with the, what is it, five pro cars and the rest of the field being the standard GTDs. But as we always say, once we get into the latter part of the race here, it's going to be all the pro drivers in it anyway, so it will be literally every driver for themselves. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Oh, boy, we've seen some fabulous uh, GTD racing this season. Uh, as you say, only, only five cars in the pro category, but... Uh, there's there's one Corvette, there's one Porsche, there's one Lexus, there's one one Aston Martin, one Mercedes, and well, th there's been nothing to choose between them. It, it, it seems like. I mean, the only, the only surprisingly, the only manufacturer that doesn't have a win to its credit this season in the pro class is Aston Martin. Mm. But they've been knocking on the door. They've had a fastest lap. Uh, I must admit, the pro car, the number 23, hard to race the Aston Martin, Ross Gunn and Alex Ruberas, they've had dismal luck this season anything that can go wrong has gone wrong it would appear but uh, they've had success here in the past and i'm uh, looking to do so again today uh, and in regular gtd uh, brand sellers and madison snow this is a home event for paul miller racing well home in relative terms they're from new jersey so uh, this is they'll have a lot of support here 
uh, at this racetrack. They've had a lot of success here in the past. That car's won three races already out of the uh, six that we've had this season in GTD. So hold a pretty healthy championship lead, but it's been, it's been super tight uh, uh, behind them. Uh, and again, all the manufacturers out there uh, challenging for the, the top positions, John. Thank you, Jeremy. And this session then is uh, one hour uh, in length. Again, we've only got the single category uh, of cars out there in terms of the, the cars are all identical. Uh, make that point because although there are two classes, the cars themselves, Jeremy, in performance potential are, are identical. So a, a pro Porsche in terms of its ultimate lap time if they were set up together, would uh, would be uh, would be uh, able to do the same uh, lap time as a, a, G, a standard GTD car. Yeah, uh, um, as you said earlier on, yeah, we're going to have all the pro cars out, uh, all the pro drivers out in the closing stage of the race tomorrow, and all bets are going to be off because you know the. The, the, the pro drivers that are not in factory cars want to be in factory cars because the pay is generally a little bit better, <laughs> plus uh, the, the bragging rights. So, but look, it's, it's, this is going to be a really good fun uh, weekend, I think. Uh, and in, in the same way as the Mission Pilot Challenge drivers are looking forward to having a race without the GS cars getting in the way, mm. ditto with the GTD field without the prototypes. Uh, and we've seen, yeah, the last, what, half a dozen years or so we've had this uh, you know, GT, GT cars are only at Limebrock. And yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's worked really, really well. We've had some fabulous racing. And, uh, and this weekend, no doubt about it, is going to be you know, absolutely the same. The last time any of the prototypes here was back in 2016 when we had the, uh, the PC cars out. <coughs> Excuse me. They were here in 15 and 16. The last time the big prototypes were out was back in 2013. Is it, and is it that yeah, long? For the, for the local, yeah, it is. Ten amazing. years Ten ago. Years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, back in the LMS days, you know, since we've switched to the to the to, since the convergence between Grand Am and LMS, uh, which began in 2014. You know, we've been GT cars only here. In fact, we weren't here at all in 2014, but back in 15, and has remained so ever since. 20, 2020, of course, was uh, we weren't able to race here because of COVID. But look, I, I think these races have been great. I mean, it's, it's a shame, certainly for the Northeast fans, not to see the prototypes. But then again, there's several other racetracks that can go to not too far away to, to get that fixed. And I, I think the, over, the overwhelming opinion is that this GT-only format works. Let's uh, see if we can talk to Cher in the pit lane. Good morning, Cher. Good morning, John. Do you got me now? Yeah, we have. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it is very warm down here in the pit lane. I know you said the track temperature was rapidly approaching 110 degrees Fahrenheit. The air temperature feels not too far off because this asphalt that makes up the pit lane, it irradiates all the heat that it gathers up in the track and spits it right back. So everybody out here in a fire suit, thankfully that's not me today, uh, but everyone out here in a fire suit looking a little bit red and toasty and the tire wear we've seen so far throughout the course of today's running in both the VP challenge and the Michelin pilot challenge it's having an effect on all the cars out there on the circuit right now we have 20 GT3 cars out running GTD Pro with five entries GTD with 15 
and it is a long pit lane with lots of spaces, but a couple of cars are disadvantaged by having a team car, meaning that they will not have either a clean entry or exit from their pit boxes. Those cars being the 14 and 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexuses, the two Aston Martins from Heart of Racing, and the two Porsches from Kelly Moss with Riley. Everyone else, clean entry, clean exit to their pit boxes. Why will that come into play? Well, if we have a caution and everybody pits at once, well, it'll be a bit more stacked up for those competitors. But thankfully, we don't tend to have a lot of cautions here at Lime Rock Park. Oh, well, oh, I can't believe you've said that so early on, shit, Adam. I cannot we believe don't. it. Oh, Our average is 3.5 laps per race. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Anybody who isn't here, who should be here, anybody who is here, share that we weren't expecting to see in terms of the 15 entries. No, we are not missing any cars from GTD, but we do have the addition of the Andretti Autosport Aston Martin. They're back once again, running car number 94. It's Jarrett Andretti and Gabby Chavez. Gabby, who last drove here in TCR with the Brian Hurd Autosports Hyundai, so he's got a few laps in a front-wheel drive car. He'll be getting up to speed with a uh, very, very much more horsepower-capable Aston Martin uh, coming up here soon. And I think, yeah, I think that's it. As far as the entry list is concerned, no driver changes notable to talk about either. So all of our usual heroes, they're at the track. As one of our heroes, actually Klaus Backler, zero laps around this place. Uh, FAF Motorsport has given the duty to Patrick Kiele to set the car up early on in this session's running. But Klaus said, yeah, I've never been here. At least it's a short track and I'll get a lot of laps. Fair point, well made and nicely presented. Adam. Uh, in the pit lane, it's Jeremy Shaw and John Heintoff uh, on the commentary for you, whether you're at the track or further afield. Uh, championship positions here, Jeremy. We're getting into the the business end of the season now, and races starting to run out for those who perhaps want to start to make a championship run. Get a few decent results, mind you, and things can change fairly quickly. Well, they, they certainly can, John, you're right. And uh, uh, you, for the for the Lexus team, for Vassar Sullivan, Calibre 14 in a pro ranks, just a sensational start to the season. First five races, uh, two wins, two seconds, and a third, took them into a, a pretty stout championship lead. Last time out, a couple of weeks ago at Canadian Time Motorsport Park, it was looking good as well, running right up towards the front. Jack Hawksworth had another pole position, his second of the season. But then it went uh, went awry with some contact out of the racetrack car to come into the pits. Uh, they salvaged, well, there's only five cars in the class, which is good news. So they salvaged a fourth place with a, a problem for the uh, Aston Martin again. So uh, they didn't lose that much ground. They still got a pretty he healthy lead over Daniel Juncadela and Jules Gugnon in that WeatherTech Mercedes, kind of a 79. Interestingly, how they're coming into this weekend, there have been a few bounce of performance changes uh, to the uh, to the GT cars and most particularly I think to the Mercedes which for the second race in a row has had a slightly larger engine air restrictor which gives a little bit more horsepower a, 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 an extra they're estimating seven seven horsepower or 4.4 kilowatts whatever kilowatts I'm sorry uh, and about six seven horsepower, uh, and that certainly will, will bring them a little bit closer to the uh, to the mark. I think. And Porsches also, uh, they 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 had a, a larger restrictor engine restrictor 
for Kaleem Thomas, brought part a couple of weeks ago, and now also they're able to shed 20 kilos of weight, so that should bring them closer as well, as if it wasn't close enough already. I think the Porsches certainly appear to have been struggling the last two or three races for some reason, because there haven't been changes before that. But um, you know, with these two changes over the last couple of weekends, it should, certainly should bring them even closer. And this, of course, John, is always always a track on which the Porsches tend to shine, isn't it? Mm, that, is, that is very true. Um, by the way, for future reference, if anybody actually needs to know, although we will try and always give it to you, um, a kilowatt is about one and a third horsepower. It's actually 1.3410 something, something. But I always work on one and a third. Is it, is it something akin to a killer whale? No, no, an orc. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Llama, llama thrust. Um, it's two llama thrusts to the kilowatt. Um, and I, I no. no. Uh, Nick always knows that uh, something. It's something to do with electric motors being um, uh, measured mostly in kilowatts. So that's why he's always. New uh, language. Uh, yeah, we're all going to have to learn it eventually. Uh, where are we? Right, we had. Um, I I was wrong. I said we we were going to have um, an hour. We had an hour and fifteen, I think, on the clock when we started, uh, and all but two cars are out but everybody has been out oh i've just said that and i've just realized my time is going to first so i i shall uh, take all the president correct that everybody has gone out yes excellent now that i've managed to refresh uh, you can follow along by the way um with our timing and scoring thanks to alcamel uh, Shea always gives out the shortest version of where you can go to. Remind me what it is, Shea, I should write this down, but I haven't put them all on tabs on my computer here in the Global Broadcast Centre. Where's the best place to get the timing? Oh, can't hear from Shea at the moment. Um, however, I'm sure she'll tell me on talkback and then I repeat, repeat it. Uh, I'm... I'm Results.imsa.com. There we go. Thank you very much indeed. And that shows that all 20 cars um, have been out at least around. And at the uh, top of the field, it's the Corvette of Tonio Garcia, who leads by all of 0.021 of a second. Yeah, uh, getting used to those uh, time gaps being, uh, being pretty small, I think. Um, Corvette, uh, that's the car that won last time out uh, at Kaleo Tamo's Park. That, that, uh, that team's first win of the season, but it had been more than a year since the Corvette had been, been to Victory Lane here in the Interwear Tech Sports Car Championship. Sebring last year was the previous win, so that's a win number, I think, 114 in the US, 126 worldwide, and also broke a tie between the Taylor brothers for the most win since 2014 when Imsa and Grandam uh, got together again. The 25th win that was then for Jordan Taylor in his uh, 99th start. He also, he also raced that non-championship event at uh, non-championship GTLM at Detroit a few years ago, but that was his 99th championship start uh, for Jordan Taylor. So this is number 100 this weekend. I don't count that uh, that, that uh, exhibition race that uh, 
exhibition run that they had at Detroit a few years ago uh, when there wasn't uh, an official round of duty alarm. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to stick with my numbers. Uh, and the 25th win then, uh, most in the, the uh, since the convergence, and also the 57th podium finish for both Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. That ties in for most since 2014, the modern era, if you like, of sports car racing. Looking good in the sunshine this morning. Pit lane speed violation being noted and the team being warned for two kilometers over for the number 97, that being Bill Orbelin. Uh, let's go back down to the pit lane and to Shea Adam as this session continues. Ten minutes gone, 49 minutes to go, so it was a down to start with. I have myself confused. Shea, uh, an empty pit lane or a couple of cars in the pit lane for you? But the strange thing is, John, I'm not seeing a lot of setup changes going on. There have been very subtle tire pressure adjustments, people checking tire wear, but it's not as if we're seeing big swings being taken. So perhaps the cars, as they left the track last year, fairly good for setups coming into this year, but we do have a lot of different cars in terms of who's running in this year's race and people who missed last year's race. So I'm a little bit curious as, for example, not to see the Kelly Moss Porsches coming into the pits frequently than they have been and as I say that the 92 dives in that's David Brule and Alec Udell once again sharing that car the 94 that's the Andretti Autosport Aston Martin in its second start is also in the pits with the hood up and other than that gradient racing ah they're doing a setup change to the front of the 66 Acura so finally starting to see people trying to find a little bit more speed out of these cars yet thank you Chip. That's, that's strange. I, I certainly wouldn't expect people to be making setup changes after five minutes into the session, but uh, whatever. I, I would, one would hope the engineers would have come here with a... With a, a baseline. A, yeah, a good grasp. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I wouldn't expect changes just yet, but uh, there'll be little tweaks here and there, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, the track is going to evolve. This is just the, well, I guess the third session today, so the track certainly is in pretty good, pretty good shape right now. We see already some uh, pretty reasonable lap times. 51.7, the fastest now for uh, Aaron Tielitz. Uh, the, uh, the lap record, by the way, in GT, well, GTD Pro was a 51.0. That was set last year by the Porsche of Maddie Campbell uh, in, in qualifying. Fastest non-pro lap was a 51.45. Uh, I'm going to go 4.56 is the uh, overall GTD non-pro qualifying record. That was set by Trent Hidman in the Acura way back in 2019. Last year's pole time in GTD was a 51.459, so precisely three thousandths of a second slower. That is uh, Frankie Montecalvo, or was Frankie Montecalvo, in the number 12 Lexus. That's the car that's currently fastest in this session with Aaron Tielitz at a 51.762. Jeremy Shaw with me, John Hindhoff. Uh, Rexy is back. Uh, the bright green, number 80 for AO. Almost looks like AO on the side of that car. This is the car that has taken social media by storm. I have no doubt the inflatable 
Dinosaurs will be in the paddock again this weekend. It's been an extraordinary story for this car and how it has captured the imagination of race fans all over the world. And uh, at Le Mans as well, of course, in the GTE category, so not actually this car. But my goodness me, it has, uh, it's really fired up a few imaginations. And do you know what? I have no problem with that whatsoever. If it gets more eyes on, it's doing its job. Fair play to everybody at AO who came up here with the concept and then have been, in some ways, brave, stroke, um, imaginative enough to follow it through with all of the uh, on-site activation and online activation. Another green car, not quite as green. Green and white for the JG Wentworth supported number 66 gradient Acura, the only Acura for the full season in IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Sheena Monk and Catherine Legg. It's Catherine behind the wheel at the moment, just doing the initial setup work for that car on our own on the circuit at the moment heading through the right-hander up no name straight which is the straight using the chicane so using that cutout on the uphill there at turn five that brings the cars part of the way onto the back straight about halfway up actually just take a Quite a big chunk out of that. 0 0.004 of a mile difference. Makes it slightly shorter into the pit lane for Catherine. Yeah, so that the last session, John, for the uh, pilot challenge, they they were not using the chicane. Correct. But for, for this one, they are. You must have seen the old prototypes doing the full uphill. That must have been pretty scary, Jeremy. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, asked John Morton, who had a uh, oh, yeah. a backflip uh, in the Nissan uh, a long time ago now. But uh, yeah, it was. I mean, awe-inspiring. Literally, watching those prototypes back back in back in those days, back in the uh, back in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, super fast cars. The uh, I think that the fastest time um, with. The, the Morton chicade is, is kind of known because it was, it was put in there after John's massive shunt. I think the fastest time was a 43.112. That was by PJ Jones in in uh, in '93. Wow. Um, which was uh, ridiculously fast. <laughs> I, I, I've got a piece of paper here with a variety of uh, lap times on, which we'll go through for comparison in a moment. After we've heard from Robbie Forley down in the Turner pit with Cheer Adam. Even though he doesn't live here anymore, Robbie, you're still a hometown hero and birthday boy as of yesterday. So first off, happy birthday. Welcome to the slightly closer to 30 club. It's a terrible place to be, but it's warm out today. Were you expecting temperatures to be like this? Yeah, it's been pretty warm up here recently. I've uh, been in the Boston-ish area um, with some of the guys at the last couple of days, but yeah, it's warm. It uh, feels it feels like uh, like it always does here, warm and it's a bull ring. So we're gonna fight the heat the whole race. First one to use that phrase this weekend. I'll give you the dollar from the jar. Um, we've got a very different schedule with VP Fuels here and no GS cars. Now you normally drive in GS with Finn Barletta, but you're still coaching Finn this weekend. So it is still a split mentality for you, isn't it? Yeah, a little different. I don't get to drive as much, which is uh, a bummer, but it's um, it's always good to 
get some info from Vin and Francis in front of the other cars, what the track is like. Um, and they're also, normally in GS, we run the, the traditional uphill. Now they're running the uphill chicane. So it's uh, apples to apples in terms of the track. Obviously, the cars are different, but always good to get some info from our, our teammates. In terms of this weekend, you've just been out on the track. Did you feel that there were any differences, changes, benefits to the track from last year? I haven't driven yet. Patrick started, but it looks like the same old Lime Rock. Um, I did test here with the GT4 guys a few weeks ago, and, and yeah, the track's still in good shape. It's a great, great part of the country to be in. It's always beautiful here, so um, loving it. How badly do you want to win here? Yeah, really bad. It's my home race. Um, I've not honestly the best luck or racing luck here. Obviously, you kind of create your own luck, but um, yeah, it'd be great. I grew up two and a half hours away. I fell in love with racing here, so definitely feels like home. Nothing but good luck this week, Robbie. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Smashing guy in and out of the car. Doughty competitor. But again, another driver. We are so fortunate. We are so fortunate with the drivers we have in endurance racing in particular in IMSA competition and they are so willing to talk to us even under the spotlight of uh, competition uh, talking about lap times here we are uh, in the 51s at the moment for Aaron Tielitz that's a GT car of course GT3 car um, that is not a million miles away we're about a second away from the Matthew Jaminet GTE lap record here. That's a 50.7. And that was in the Northeast Grand Prix. Patrick Jaminet and the Porsche, of course. The RSR 19. That was back in 2021. GTE3 uh, is a 51.6, which is to uh, Johnny O'Connell in a CTS VR Cadillac. Um, Interestingly, however, the one I've my eyes have, have dropped onto is the LMP2 lap record uh, of Ryan Briscoe in the RS Spider back to 2007, 2007, 45-3 for that car. That was quicker than Marco Werner went round here at the Audi R10 TDI. Just tells you exactly. And they've been slowed down a little bit by. 2007, in fairness, but Ryan Briscoe must have been pedaling pretty quickly to do a 45-3. Juan Manuel Fangio in the Eagle Mark III with a 45-1 in IMSA, the old IMSA GTP. Uh, Jeremy, you'll remember that. John. Sorry? 43-1. Uh, 45-1 I'm looking at here for JMF. Um, but... And, and Guy Smith, Guy Smith uh, was uh, in 2012 uh, got the qualifying record in. in oh, qualifying! These are these are race lap lap records. Sorry. Okay, race lap was Klaus Graf in a 45-1 in 2012. Okay, 45-105. I've got for Manuel. I haven't got Graf on there. Interesting. Did they use a 25-148 in 2012 for race? Isn't that interesting? I shall. I should uh, look at another site. That's from the, the Lightroom site, so I apologise. Um, however, um, it's hauling. All of those are hauling. Yes. <laughs> I love the old story, though, about... Um, I mean, going back to 2008, when the, the, the track was redeveloped slightly, and when it was all measured, every, it was pretty much a, a mile and a half 
um, whichever way you might, there's three different configurations, aren't there? Because we don't use the extension on the West Bend that we did in LMS a couple of years at least. Um, so the uphill without the chicane, the chicane or the West Bend, and all of them are within a few hundred feet of being a mile and a half in, in, all, in all honesty. So there's, there's not much to change between the lengths, but the different configurations do affect the times, of course because it depends how many, um, it's seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, depends on which way you number them the, uh, at the moment. So, 38 minutes remaining. Aaron Taylor goes back out in the fastest car, 51.7, 51.8 for Antonio Garcia, who's just pitted in the Corvette and then the GT well perfect example is what we were seeing earlier Jeremy it is a GTD a car with the green number panels and the white numbers upon it that is the quickest car at the moment and no reason why that shouldn't be the play the the, uh, the, the situation no that's right as you were saying you, you the same specifications whether it's pro or non-pro it's just down to the drivers and uh, Aaron Tielitz is uh, a very very accomplished uh, driver of course at, uh, at this level he's he's uh, Cut his teeth in the opening ranks, had a fair bit of success there, but it's really since uh, switching to sports cars that his, his career has come alive, if you like. And uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, long-time drivers now at Vassar Sullivan, he's got five IMSA wins to his credit. Just a one this season that came at Watkins Glen, so he likes New he likes New that was New York to next Seder Cross, just uh, uh, his first winner of the season. And, uh, and still, you know, they've had some disappointments this season, that number 12 car for Frankie Montecalvo, who uh, was on the pole here last season, and Aaron Tielitz, but they're still in championship contention, even though the number, number one car is, has got a pretty good, hand, pretty handy lead coming into this weekend with only uh, three races to go on the season, but anything can happen. Mike Skeen is in the pit lane and anyone who's standing in the pit lane without a helmet on is fair game for us to talk to, which is why she had him. Let's just press the microphone under his nose, or at least we'll do after she introduces him. Well, and to be fair, I found Mike Skeen on purpose because of what you guys were talking about with different lap times. Because, Mike, you've driven here at Lime Rock Park a lot in Trans Am cars. How different is it to be at this track, this short little track, in a GT3 spec machine? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but uh, obviously a lot of differences too. These break a lot better than the TA2 cars uh, for sure, and and we run the, sh uh, the uphill with the TA2 car, which is a blast. But um, even with the chicane over there, these cars are a little bit quicker than a TA2 or, or about the same. So definitely a lot of difference, um, and, and mostly in the downforce and the braking. But yeah, this plays a, a fun little bull ring and always some fun battles. How different is it breaking into turn one in a GT3 car? How much deeper can you go? Yeah, I would say probably two markers. So yeah, something like that, a marker and a half, something like that. Um, but definitely a lot more confidence inspiring with the ABS and, and the downforce. Yeah. So how do you reset your brake when you come here after running in Trans Am and you're in a big, heavy machine that's got a lot of horsepower and all of a sudden you're in something nimble? Yeah, fortunately, you know, I've been in this car a little bit more this year, so it's easy to kind of stay in that rhythm. Uh, and coming from Mosport just, you know, a couple weeks ago, it makes it a little easier to get back right into the same car. But, um, yeah, fortunately, I've always, you know, driven so many different cars that I've been able to kind of adapt pretty quickly going back to another one. Let's talk about that race north of the border. 
uh, we had Mick qualify the car, qualify third. You brought it home in third. First podium of the year for the team. How does that shift the attitude for everybody here? Because now you guys are fifth in points. Yeah, I think uh, everybody's really excited. You know, it felt really good to get that pressure off ourselves a little bit. Um, we know we've had good performances and uh, just had little bad luck situations or small mistakes and, you know, somewhere throughout the weekend that, you know, made we, us not get the result that we felt like we may have deserved earlier. So uh, hopefully now, you know, things are running pretty smooth. We're working out some kinks and uh, we can keep, you know, collecting a few trophies. How similar is this car to the one that you raced here last year? Same team. Yeah, same team, um, same engineering. So uh, we're basically starting off where we were. A couple of small changes we had in mind that maybe we wish we had had for last year. And uh, we had, a, you know, off to a good start in the beginning of the session. Now we're just tweaking some long run stuff. So uh, we'll see where we go. I like that you put Mick Grenier in the car for the long run stuff with these temperatures. Good luck this weekend, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate it. Got to think that that is a team and driver combination that will be there or thereabouts come the checkered flag tomorrow, Jeremy. Yeah, no, yeah, no question about it. I, I mean, I think uh, it, it's going to be hard to rule out anybody, I think, uh, towards the, when the Shaker flag goes out tomorrow because, uh, yeah, we've seen already this season how, how, how close it has been. We've had, you know, a, a, we've had, what, four different uh, manufacturers uh, winning races and on the pole position in uh, GT this season we've seen I think I think all five have got at least one fastest race lap during the season so far so yeah, there's been nothing to choose between them at all and, and I think you know right now in this session so far 51.7 the fastest time but uh, I think the, the the emphasis during this session right now is certainly on pre preparing for the race uh, that'll be uh, tomorrow of course Saturday's race here and uh, of course uh, unusually also the WeatherTech race is before the Pilot Challenge race, so uh, green flag 12.10 tomorrow local time for, uh, for the WeatherTech series, which is round about now, isn't it? I mean, what's the, what's the time now? Um, yeah, spot on. 12.12, yeah, yeah, so exactly. Uh, now, so if, if conditions are going to be like this tomorrow, this is the perfect time to learn how those conditions are. So I think that the teams and drivers right now are just concentrating on, on race prep, rather than qualifying prep, which will most likely come in the second session a little later this afternoon. Yeah, at the moment, the track temperature, which we've been keeping an eye on, it's now above 50 Celsius, 51 Celsius. That's 124, 124 Fahrenheit. The air temperature just starting to climb a little bit as well as the cloud moves over and we've had a little bit more direct at sunshine that's 27 celsius 81 fahrenheit so that's gone up a couple of three degrees fahrenheit degree or two celsius but it, the big changes on that track temperature up over 120 fahrenheit now and that is going to make the jobs of the tire engineers for michelin and the teams so much more difficult and at the moment it is unobstructed sunlight all the way around the circuit there's plenty of clouds around some of them with a little bit of gray in them overly threatening but things can change here very quickly we don't often at this time of the year here jeremy we don't often get drizzle if it's going to rain here it's fairly it's fairly serious rain it's not as if we just get a little misty at this time of the year
So, we continue with this free practice session. The first, the S FCP Euro Northeast Grand Prix. Best times for the individual categories, GTD, best of everybody. That's the Lexus number 12, 51.762. Green number Oops, backgrounds. Sigin, uh, Jeremy, sorry. Uh, that's the car with the green number background, the number 12. Antonio Garcia for Corvette in second position, but best of the pros, they have the red number backgrounds, the red wing end plates and door mirrors as well. Half an hour still to go. Just looking down, see if anybody's been struggling. Not really. Uh, the fewest laps is the car that's at the back, the Aston Martin Vantage. Gabby Chavez is in the pits at the moment. Catherine Legg in the pits at the moment as well. 22 laps, 17. So... Just under that half an hour. We are halfway through halfway through this session as into the pits comes one of the Porsches. Uh, which one was that? Let's go down to Shea Adam in the pit lane. Shea, what's going on with you? Uh, let's see which one of the Porsches that was. I'm still behind the wall trying to find more interviews. We've got the 97 Turner Motorsport BMW still in the pit lane. Oh, it was the 91. It was Kai Van Berlo who brought in the Kelly Moss with Riley Racing Porsche, handing over to Alan Metney for his first laps around Lime Rock Park. Um, but I'm just making my way up towards the heart of racing Aston Martin team because they have quite a phenomenal record here, at least in the GTP class. And if you'll bear with me, I'm just going to climb up on their timing stand because I see a man who has done very well here at this track over the last couple of years. Hello, Rob DeAngelis. Welcome back to Lime Rock Park, place you've gotten a pole, you got a win, you got a second. This place, it, it kind of likes you, doesn't it? I hope it likes us this weekend. We need a, need a good result, so hopefully we uh, were able to replicate some of the good luck we've had the last few years here. I think uh, we, we definitely need it after a couple of bad weekends, so we'll see what happens. I mean, the Aston Martin's very fast here, though. Alex Ribera set the fastest lap of the race last year, so we know that he's capable of setting a fast lap. We know that you're capable. Marco, learning this place, how difficult is it to bring a newbie and throw them into a track where you can't really test? He'll be okay. He's, he's done a lot. There's there's seven corners to learn, so yeah. it can't really be too bad. Um, no, but he's, he's done really well at learning every track quickly uh, this year. So I'm sure he'll be fine. I think he's already on pace. So it's uh, like I said, there's not that not that many corners to learn. It's definitely a high commitment place. Um, it's a really enjoyable, fun track. So uh, we'll see how he likes it. Does it complicate things when you've got one session that's dry and very similar, we hope, to what the race will be like, and then one session that looks a bit iffy on the radar? Yeah, it does. But I mean, it, it all depends on what happens in qualifying, right? So I mean, if, if it's wet in qualifying, I think the next session will be super useful for us um, just to develop a setup and get an idea of where the standing water is and, and stuff like that, just to be able to get out of the box and push in qualifying. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm sure knowing that knowing our luck, it's going to rain in, in FP2 and not in qualifying or vice versa. So we'll see what happens. We we can't uh, we can't make those decisions and we'll uh, we'll react and see what happens. So hopefully, hopefully some good results this weekend. 
It's actually a nice temperature up here on the pit stand. You guys got something going on pretty well with the building behind. There's a nice breeze coming through. I've been down on the, on the lane. It's a lot warmer down there. Does this help keep you guys cool before you get in the car? Yeah, I mean, I think we were laughing about it yesterday that somebody won the lottery when they got our pit spot because um, we're shaded by the building. So we'll see uh, We'll see how hot it gets this weekend. It's always super hot and humid here. So any little shade or breeze you can, you can get yourself situated in is a uh, good thing. So. Good luck this weekend, Roman. Thank you. Roman D'Angelis, Shea Adam down in the pit lane. Two top cars have been in the pits for a little while. I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong there as they've put in a 51.7 and a 51.8 uh, respectively. But they haven't turned a lap for a wee while since Aaron Taylor and Antonio Garcia brought in the Vassar Sullivan Lexus number 12 and the Corvette number three, respectively. So we'll just keep an eye on that. And yeah, good point there, John. And uh, Loris Spinelli, I see, just going out of the pit lane now in the number 78, Forte Racing, powered by US Restronics, Lamborghini. Uh, Loris Spinelli has been, uh, well, frighteningly fast almost uh, when it, whenever he uh, has the opportunity to shine. He, he tends to... Uh, to take that opportunity. He's had a pole position already this season. A couple of years ago in Lamborghini Super Trofeo, he set fastest race up in every single race during the season, which is a feather in his cap. That hasn't, doesn't happen too often. Third fastest at the moment, that number 78 Lamborghini. So it's Lexus, Chevrolet, Lamborghini, BMW, Porsche. So top six manufacturers, all different at the moment. It's always good to see, and they're, they're covered, by the way, that six by 0 0.134 of a second, i.e. not very much. That's huge. Massive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, Intermitsu Mazda MX-5 top five at the end of a race kind of coverage. That's what we're yeah. used to in that. Well, Formula Ford's around here. This, oh. uh, Skip Barber School, of course, was, was, was based here for many, many years, and uh, with Skip, of course, one of the... Uh, Team principal, the, the principals here at the track has been for a long, long time, and Skip does a lot of these. Well, quite a few of the drivers in this race uh, came up racing Formula Ford cars here with Skip Barber School. I'm thinking in particular people like Trent Hinman, certainly. Um, perhaps not uh, Jordan Taylor, but uh, Jordan Taylor, Ricky did. I'm not sure whether Jordan did, um, but uh, yeah, not not perhaps as many as as used to be the case, but certainly uh, Formula Fords have a rich history around. Talking of history around here. My, my friend Greg Ricks was uh, bringing me to, to attention the attention the, of the Andretti family. Jared Andretti, of course, is driving at number 94 car, which is, is yeah, it is back out on track again now, isn't it? Uh, Gabby Chalvers with Andretti Autosport, Aston Martin, number 94. And uh, the Andretti family, they've got a big history here. It's almost 60 years ago now that Mario uh, won uh, his first ever road racing event in an oval track midget right here at Life Rock Park. July 27th, 1963. Thanks for reminding me of that, uh, Greg. And of course, yeah, Michael uh, and John, uh, both they both raced. They, they were uh, amongst guys who raced here in, in the Skippy cars uh, back in the day, uh, as did Marco as well. So, yeah, lots, lots of success the well, your family has had here at Lime Rock Park. And, and do you know what the lovely thing is? That anybody who starts their career on iRacing um, almost inevitably, for the reason that we were hearing earlier on from Mike Skeen, you get a lot of laps around here for your money. Um, you start here and you either have a Formula Ford or you take a Mazda MX-5 and you, you hone your skills 
um, on iRacing around here, as many people have done in full metal racing down through the years. It is exactly as good for getting yourself dialed in uh, in the virtual world as it is in, in real life. Um, some phenomenal racing around here in relatively low-powered uh, machines where you're learning all about getting your braking, your turn in, your minimum speed, minimum corner speeds up. Um, and, and that, you know, that's... We've talked about this many times, Jeremy, haven't we? But that's the essence of motor racing, really. And it doesn't matter where you finish. If you started off and you've learned that, you've got a good founding of the basics. Very true. And uh, I remember coming here, I think it was, a, was it the 35th anniversary of the fall of Fords here at Lime Rock. It was, it was some years ago now. Yeah, it probably was 35th. 93, I guess it was. I, I did a, a skippy race around here, and, and the, uh, the the draft around that front straight, and then the outbreaking into Big Bend is just sensational fun. I, I ran out of talent halfway around Big Bend when I was battling with a good buddy Paul Fanner, which uh, he reminds me just about every <laughs> single day that I see him, uh, because I had him handled during that race, I'm sure. Until <laughs> you didn't. Have, didn't. <laughs> uh, Happy, happy memories, happy memories. Well, oh, the yes. good news is that both of those cars at the top that we were mentioning, the Vassa Sullivan number 12 Lexus and the Corvette uh, of Corvette Racing, the number three, they're both back out again, separated by half a tenth of a second. And the top three, as Jeremy pointed out, in fact, the top four, um, separated by three quarters of a tenth with Brian Sellers, the latest to come into the pits in the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW. He's fourth at the moment behind Loris Benelli. So uh, Lexus, Chevrolet, Corvette, Huracan, BMW, Porsche, your top five. And and that top five, well, this is, there's pretty much um, almost as much between fourth and fifth as there is between the top four. But even still, 0.134 of a second is still only the gap 0.134 of a second so just over a tenth uh, between those top five cars and if you go down to half a second you've got the top 13 14 cars really 0.512 0.523 that would take you down to 15th actually um, and the majority of the field are within three quarters of a second and there's only two cars outside of that so that will tell you all you need to know about um, the closeness of racing and why every single thing you do in a race car around here, Jeremy Shaw, it all counts. You miss an apex by six inches or a foot and you lose a couple of tenths. A, cu a couple of tenths is the difference between being on pole here and being down on row four. Uh, six or seven or eight, probably. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Uh, and and of course, if you if you have to come into the pits, then uh, you, you're probably going to lose a lap here. Um, so uh, we are going to lose a lap. At so, least one lap. Now uh, somebody yeah. has had a big moment at Big Bend. They've done a Jeremy Shaw, apparently. Uh, is what I'm hearing. No, no, that no, has to be called. Uh, that's, that's oh no, it's the downhill. Uh, it's no. not even that actually. It's it's it, it's, it's uh, neither. It's the right-hander. No. Yeah. Yeah. There is a river just on the left-hand side. 7-0, the car that went off. Race control just letting me know. Brendan Ereeb for Inception. Oh, now, he actually Ooh. did go off the track and ended up spinning a full 360, 
put the left-hand Michelin's on the dirt there as he was trying to square himself up from the left-hander into the right-hander. Now, had he lost it earlier in the piece there? And no, he just got on the dirt. He just got on the dirt as he came through to the end of the right-hander. Put the lottery numbers on, Brendan, because yeah. spinning there on the exit of turn four, the right-hander, and not hitting anything at all, snagging first and continuing. Yeah, I bet he hasn't even told the team. The team will know now because they'll have heard us talking about it. But I bet he oh, just made a mistake there at four, lost a bit of time. No, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> That'll have walk in the book. It will. As you say, to, to spin there and not hit anything, that's, uh, that takes some talent or skill or both. Uh, and I'm going to give him both for that one because uh, he deserves it. And what's, the, what's the, the mega millions or whatever the lottery thing is now? It's over a billion dollars or something. It was, a bil it was, won, it was won the other day. It was a billion dollars. Oh, was it? Absurd. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Not that you get it all in the States, of course, because you have to pay tax on it, don't you? Pretty much straight away. You do, but you still get a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> um, I tell you what, I, I, wish, I wish there were a thousand of those at a more sensible number. Yes. Anyhow, um, I digress. No, no, no changes to the, to the times, uh, at least at the sharp end of the field, John, are there? Still no. 51.762 was the fastest time by uh, Aaron Tielitz. That was back on lap nine. Most of the cars completed now well over 30 laps. Most laps completed by, well, Brendan Ereeb, actually, in, number, in the uh, number 70 McLaren and Frederick Shandorf. He and Frederick Shandorf combined to do 41 laps during this session. That's the same number completed by the Windward Racing Mercedes, kind of a 57. Yeah, Brendan's done more, um, uh, has actually done more distance, though, with that full spin. <laughs> because <laughs> that was a little over a mile and a half that last lap yes. around if you add the spins in uh, quite extraordinary <laughs> stuff uh, down into the last 17 minutes and back out on the track Brian Sellers who has gone back out again have not changed drivers in that car Brian in the number one red white and black of the uh, Quartz uh, Total car this is the Paul Miller Racing machine just coming down to the final corner now runs all the way out to the edge of the track actually doesn't because he cuts straight back across quite a lot of dust there actually at the final corner and yeah as he came across into the pits off the racing line it was very dusty indeed there as he comes back in and madison snow yeah. pops gently off the wall in the way that only someone in their mid to late 20s can. Certainly Jeremy I would have been a little less elegant than that, jumping down off the pit wall. <laughs> Actually, there'd have been yeah, no jumping I, on the, off the pit wall. I'd have been sitting on the pit wall. There'd have been no jumping down off it with knees bent, I'm afraid. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was very sprightly, wasn't it? He was, yes. He's, he's, still, he's still a spring chicken, though, so no surprise there. So look, that, that Paul Miller racing team we talked about earlier on, that it's the... Uh, quite a home race for them based in New Jersey. But they've also had a huge amount of success here at Lime Rock Park. Um, they, they've, uh, th this pairing uh, had the, uh, the win uh, last year where it was a real 
come kind of come from behind win because there was a fairly late pass on Roman De Angelis. Uh, there was a problem for Aaron Tillich who had been leading, and then the win would Mercedes ran out of fuel on the final lap, which gifted the win to uh, to, to Sellers and Snow. They also won here in 2018, uh, and then they also had a, uh, a, a a second place finish in 2017 as well. So huge amount of success here for that team. And looking to extend their championship lead this weekend. That's the plan. Second in 21 as well, were they? Uh, they've used to be on the podium here. Yeah, 17 and 17 and 21. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're used to being on the podium. They know their way to the podium here. A little moment uh, last time around, maybe the time before, for the Lamborghini Huracan, the Forte racing machine. Forte powered by Unitronics. Loris. Spinelli uh, a little bit too close to the diffuser of the white, blue and black number 94 Aston. I don't think there's any damage there. They are looking at the front end of that arrow, green and black Lambo in the pit lane. It was uh, just coming out of Big Bend and don't know whether Jarrett just had a little problem there. Oh no, there was more of a bump than I thought. Thank you to our replay crew up in Charlotte. Affectionately well, known. Jared just come out of the pit. He, he must have, Jeremy. Yeah, must yeah. have. I, I, I can only imagine that's what it was. Um, our replay crew affectionately still going by the name of the Tape Apes. No tape involved, neither any apes, um, but that goes back a very, very long way in TV land. And uh, we have the, honestly, we have some of the best in the business. They are superb at finding the different angles uh, for us during uh, these sessions and indeed during our global broadcasts for the World Feet. Uh, Shea Adam is patrolling the pit lane for us. Uh, where have you walked down to now, Shea? Well, you guys were singing the pieces of Brian Sellers, so I thought, why not come down and have a chat with them? Uh, too bad you couldn't hear what they were saying, Brian. It would have made you happy. But you come back to Lime Rock Park, a place where you've won twice, you finished second twice, and this is Paul Miller's home race. So this track has a little bit of extra meaning, does it not? Yeah, it does. I mean, this is a race where, you know, Paul brings roughly 100 guests and friends, family, um, people from the dealership. And so it's a race where you always want to try and show the best you can you know you want to make the boss happy uh, make the guys happy and there's something about this place that's just special in general you know you're racing in front of a kind of small intimate crowd where they're all stacked right on top of each other and you get to see everybody you know um up in the, in the bull ring and watching and so it's it's such a fun place i love the fans here um you know it's uh, it's a difficult place so i mean you see as you watch the lap times just the continued change in lap times and how quickly the cars drop away, how quickly the tires change. And so um, everything about this race is difficult. Someone compared it to Laguna Seca earlier as far as the tire wear is concerned. Are you guys experiencing that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, to be honest, it, it makes Laguna look like child's play at the moment. Um, the tire peak seems extremely short and narrow, which I think is a little bit... Um, uh, a little bit different for us, not not normal. Um, normally, you know, you have a peak, uh, but it can hold for quite a while. But um, it seems like the peak is quick, and then certainly the um, heat cycles is very, very poor. So um, we have historically had a, a problem with high tire dig. Um, 
anyway, so it, it shows up even more for us. Sorry, I'm stuttering through a little bit. I'm trying to watch telemetry and answer the questions. All good. Uh, Brian, I'll let you get back with one more question. You come into this with the championship lead, the sprint lead. You guys aren't changing anything you do because of that, correct? No, I mean, I think everything stays the same for us. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. I, we don't, we're trying not to race for points. You don't race for points. You race um, for position and you race for the best that you have in that day. And if that best is fortunate enough to win, then great. And if that best is uh, is fifth, then, then that's what it is. And I think that, you know, that's the mindset we try and take. And the points literally have no, no bearing to us. It's a great position to be in, undoubtedly, um, but it doesn't, doesn't change anything. Thanks, Brian. Good luck. Thanks. Yeah, sorry for the stumbling words there. No, you're all good. Very interesting, John. Makes Laguna sound like child's play, so I think that mm. means I need to go talk to some of the GTD Porsche teams, huh? Yeah, absolutely right. Jeremy picked up on that as well, it, 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 particularly that narrow window uh, that, that Brian was talking about there, Jeremy. Yeah, fascinating, wasn't it? Really interesting comments from uh, Brian. He's always a great interview. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he's very measured in what he says and speaks and thinks, uh, and that's why he's such a successful driver, I think. I mean, he's been around this, but he's another guy who probably raced here in the Skippy days way, way back. Um, might not but much be reminded of that, though, actually. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was really very, interesting very to hear young. how... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's really interesting to hear how tire degradation is becoming such a factor here on, on this racetrack, and that is going to be a major concern for a lot of teams here. Some of the teams, um, you know, are, some of the cars are a little bit easier on the tires than others. It, historically, the Lexus team always struggled with tire wear, but that is one one thing that that team and manufacturer in general has worked on really, really hard over the last well five or six years. That car's been around. This is the oldest GTT, GTD car out here, the Lexus RCF uh, GT3 car for Vassar Sullivan, and that now uh, has become one of the better cars in terms of its of its uh, lessening the tire degradation. So, uh, but that's a factor that's going to be really apparent on this race tomorrow, John, no question. Uh, there is a new car coming for, for Lexus. Uh, it's been testing already in Japan at, at Fuji. Um, it, it's, I'm not sure whether it's as far along as they're want, wanting it to be. They're talking about going into the FIA WEC next year, which means they might have to use this car because GT3s are allowed at Le Mans next year and they will want two GT3 entries for Le Mans. Shea Adam has been... Uh, talking to the guys at Lexus as well, Shay. Well, Lexus historically have not done particularly well at Lime Rock Park. They have nine starts in the GTD class. Only two of those have been top five finishes. Oh, really? Is that all? That's that's it, that's very interesting. Very interesting. They're being good, though, and as Jeremy alluded to there, the work that they have done, they couldn't keep the rear tyres under that car for the first season season and a half and they work really hard on that and they've got a really nicely balanced package pretty uh, pretty um, much everywhere now uh, now let's see what's going on out there uh, circuit into the pit lane for Frederick Shandorf who's now taking over the inception racing number 70 McLaren He's just popped in. Alan Brynjolfsson has taken over the right motorsport Porsche. That's the bright yellow Volt sponsored car. 
Uh, also in the pits, Loris Spinelli, Madison Snow's back in. Just talked to Brian, his teammate, Brian Sellers. Uh, who else is in the pits? Now, down at the Lamborghini pit, Forte Racing, powered by US Race Tronics. I, I said earlier, Shea, that um, they'd actually given quite a decent shunt into the rear of Jarrett Andretti's Aston Martin. And in fact, actually, they've done a bit of damage to the front of that car, I think. They have. Uh, there's damage to the carbon on the nose uh, to the passenger side of the Lamborghini logo, but also the grill beneath that is punctured in. It, it looks as if somebody gut punched this Lamborghini. The team is still using the session, though. They are practicing pit stops, but it looks as if that's all they're doing. I don't think this car's going back out. Really? Wow, okay. Let's there's only six minutes remaining now, so yeah, the, uh, the there's been that much track. Well, it's been four or five minutes, hasn't it, since the Oh, accident. at least, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, at least. So, Shea's down there on the pit lane at the moment. Just trying to grab a word to see what is uh, going on down there. Both of the Lexus are out on the track. Frank Montecalvo has the, the best of the time. And Just had an improvement, John, from uh, Michael Grenier oh, yes. to fifth position. That's the first one we've had for a long, long time, time, actually. Uh, I mean, most of the fastest laps in this session were set at the latest, well, apart from Julian Andlauer, who was second at the wheel number 92 car, it's, he set that car's best lap on its 29th lap. Everybody else, within 13 laps of this session, had now done uh, as many as 52 for the Windward Racing Mercedes so Michael Grenier just improved to 51.865 and you know we better go down through the thousandths of a second haven't we because it is so close now Amazing. in, uh, in the, uh, the timing charts we've got now the top uh, eight cars within two tenths of a second <laughs> yeah it is a, a, a Lexus Chevrolet Lamborghini BMW Mercedes and Porsche so now, we've now got six six different manufacturers in the yes. top six yeah um and then uh, right behind them is second lexus uh, and also an aston martin and uh, the and the mclaren that makes up the top nine so what's that eight manufacturers in the top nine they're covered by 0. 0.267 yeah but bop doesn't work apparently jeremy <laughs> yeah, really. bop racing isn't isn't working um say some people i i, I think we've proved down through the years that the hard work and it's not look it's not just putting a finger in the air this this is a heck of a lot of data that is collected by IMSA um, and I, I think particularly in the GT3 category they've worked very very hard indeed to have cars that are vastly different in their road going guises a BMW M4 really is a touring car and a um, in terms of the size of the car, the glass area, etc. Uh, a McLaren is very much a low-slung sports car in the same way as a Lamborghini is. You've got mid-engine Corvettes and, and McLarens. You've got front-engine Mercedes. You've got rear-engine Porsches. You've got the Acura in there as well. And yet, we've got the whole field. Let's call it a second. We've got the whole 20 cars. 
within a second. Quite extraordinary. Coming down the last three minutes, we'll grab another interview with Sheer Adam in the pit lane. With Saprio, because we've been talking about how this track right now is reminiscent of WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, which was good for Porsches. So, Saprio, you come here, you've never been here before, PJ's never been here before. You feel like maybe this will be a Porsche track? I mean, from last year, like from the results, definitely. Um, it's that like, Porsches work very well in these sort of tracks, fast flowing corners. Um, I think, yeah, we've got a good chance, you know, see how the race goes. But, yeah, my first time here and I'm enjoying it. So, yeah. Which corner so far do you think is the toughest? I think all of them, but I think, um, personally, I think turn one's pretty tough, especially turn five and the little complex there, really hard. The fast last corner as well, I mean, a lot of commitment, high commitment, not much room for error. So, yeah, it's like a brand's hatch for sure. It's uh, like my home circuit. So, yeah, it feels the same. There aren't many tracks when you have to lean on dad's knowledge of what to do here. Did you give him a call and say, uh, dad, how, how do you go faster on Lime Rock? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it's one of those tracks where you need to have that knowledge. It's it, it's kind of like you feel like a short lap, there can't be that much to it, but, you know, a tenth one here is like half a second. So you're going to have to be on it. We need to be right up there. And, you know, I've got a good feeling that this weekend we can do well. It's hot right now. It's expected to rain for the afternoon session. Does it help you guys to get a little bit of variety or would you rather the conditions just be the same throughout? I mean, if it's dry tomorrow, for sure, we want it dry. But, I mean, it's good to have a bit of wet. But I think if it's dry tomorrow, which is looking like it will be, for sure, I'd like to have a, a nice dry setup. We're still working on that at the moment. Uh, but yeah, a lot of high tire deck here, so it's hard to sort of get a feeling, but we'll get there. Get in there. The AO Racing Porsche, Rexy, she had a heart transplant at uh, CTMP. How's that been going, the new motor in the car? I mean, yeah, she feels fast at the moment. Um, but yeah, she needed a little a bit of work, and she's, yeah, she's up to speed now and recovered well. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to driving her flat out tomorrow. Good luck this weekend for the fan favorite. Cheers, thank you, bye-bye. I love that uh, quote there, Jeremy. A tenth of a second here is like half a second anywhere else. And that's spot on from Young Prio, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I can just hear his dad there. I know. You can, yes, <laughs> yes. Hello, but Andy. Yeah, no, Hello, again. Joanne. I know you'll be uh, tuned in wherever you are, either back home in the Channel Islands or, or elsewhere. Yep. And uh, again, uh, again, another really insightful interview there from Shay Adam. Super stuff. Shay, thank you, and uh, yeah, just again, it just brings another insight to this track. Tell you what, we've seen a lot of guys straying wheels off the road here, and I thought they had a massive amount of rain here recently, but the, the <laughs> amount of dust that's being thrown up is incredible. It looked like the Paris Dakar when Madison Snow yeah. went off. It was absolutely extraordinary. Um, we know that Michelin do good off-road tyres. He had both of the left-hand side tyres of the Paul Miller racing car off again in the early part of the lap. And as we saw with Brendan Arib, who in fairness did have a spin, Madison didn't have a spin, he was just dropping the wheels off. But just clouds of, of, yeah. of, of brown, uh, brown dust, you know, brown dirt dust, soil being thrown up in the air, very fine as well. It was hanging in the air for a wee while. Yeah, it was, yeah. Maybe the wind's dropped just a little bit, perhaps. And Has indeed, Jeremy. That's a good observation. Check yeah. the flag is out on the first free practice session. For that was an hour. That was an hour, Jeremy. Uh, okay, but it, okay. that was a Lime Rock Park hour, though. You know, <laughs> um, yes. with 46. Short track, short hour. Yeah, yeah, 57 laps, the most out there for Windward Racing. Uh, and, you know, th that again tells you 55 for Turner Motorsport and the number 96 car. 56 for Inception with Fred Shandoff and uh, Brendan Arib. Uh, and no major improvements at the end. 
Reminds me of my... Yeah, there, there, there was one just three or four laps ago. Ben Barnick had improved a little bit in number 14, Lexus. He moved himself up into seventh position at a 51.9, John. That was the, the only other improvement other than Michael Grenier, which was a couple of minutes before that. Yeah, uh, Lime Rock Park hour reminds me of my uh, very long and long departed and much missed grandmother on my dad's side who always used to talk about having to walk uh, three Irish miles to church in the morning um, on a Sunday morning Irish miles mind you um, what lo- obviously much longer than, than normal miles um, in Monaghan a couple of beverages along the way well I'll have to, I would assume not for the children but uh, almost almost certainly true so there we have the first free practice session for the FCP Europe North East Grand Prix and thank you for joining us uh, it is a Lexus and a Chevrolet Corvette on top of the two classes with the GTD car a fraction quicker but with no major time changes that is a 1.1 seconds between the whole field and three quarters of a second between the top 18 um, and if you want to go into even closer combat, the top seven are within a tenth and a half of each other round this, roughly speaking, one and a half mile circuit. Thanks to Shea Adam down in the pit lane. Jeremy Shaw joined me, John Hindorf, in the booth. And oh, just right at the end there, a penalty for plus five on the number 23 Harter Racing uh, car as they came back to the pit lane uh, so I, how's that going to be worked out that'll have to be um, assessed the next time right no hang on a minute we haven't got a 23 in this one that must have been somebody coming out into the lane oh, 20 no 23 i'm right it was alex riberas so that'll be assessed possibly in the next session they'll have to serve that if you're listening to rs2 stick tuned for a couple of real world road tests we'll have the porsche cayenne 718 GTS at uh, the Porsche uh, Boxster 718 GTS uh, and the BMW X4M as we go behind the wheel on our real world road test and we'll be back with more action from Lime Rock Park throughout this Friday stay tuned to RS2 IMSA Radio bye for now this programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.